Come on, look, we are in Relent. And look, I know I see a lot of new faces today. If this is your first time here, I wanna welcome you to church as well as say that you picked a great week to uh, kind of come and kick the tires because we're starting a fresh series. Last month, we talked about the family, um, how to like your family. And uh, it looks like most of you are still together. So that's, that's positive, that's positive. Look, family series are always fun, but they're, always, they're all up in your business, am I right? Come on, I mean, because it's where we all live every single day. See, like, like months like this, we can sit there and be like, yes, hmm, you know, and act all like we got it together. But family, it's, like, it's just all up in your business. And, uh, and so come on, look, if, you, if you're still struggling, it's all online. You can go watch it again. And maybe, uh, maybe you can take some further steps of action in your family. But this month we're moving into Relent and Relent is all about drawing close to God. It's really out of the scripture of James 4, 8. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. All right, now the distance in life that we experience with God, can I just, I'm gonna break a secret to you. It's not God creating distance with us. It's us creating distance with God, Okay. Actually, I had a friend say this recently. He said, isn't it ironic that we often feel most distant from God when we disobey God, yet blame God for the distance? (laughs) See how that doesn't really match up. That's what we do that a lot, right? We, we, We pull away from God and then we blame him for it. You know, and I think we have to go through seasons in our life where we, we pull back from where we're at and kind of survey the landscape and see what's going on in our life and also just let the noise kind of become silence, right? Like, like turn down the volume. You know, really there's only two different types of people in the world when it comes to car trouble, all right? Two different types of people. There's those who, they're in the car and they begin to hear this noise, right? The, the knocking of the engine. Come on, I had a 94 Honda Accord and uh, I just got rid of it a couple of years ago. And so I know what it's like whenever like all of a sudden it's like, Poof! You know, and you have this choice whether you're going to call the mechanic, all right? Where's all my people that whenever you hear something wrong with your car, you call the mechanic and you get it, you get it fixed quickly? Where are y'all at? That is not a lot of you. So then this next point is really gonna connect with you because it looks like we have the second type of person mostly, which is those of us who reach and just turn the stereo up louder. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly right. You know, it's kind of like two different types of people. You got the people that uh, whenever the, the, the gas gets low, like it, it sort of gets close to empty, you're like, I gotta get gas. But then there's those of us that whenever the gas light comes on, we're like, we got 30 more miles to go. You know what I'm talking Like, that's all, that's just a warning. It's just a warning. It's just a guidance. It's not like you don't actually have to go. The check engine lights blinking. It's like, it's good. It's, I don't hear anything happening yet. It can't be that bad. There's no smoke, you know, right? Because that's usually how we treat life. That's usually how we progress is we wait till it's really bad. And then all of a sudden we begin to maintenance it. A lot of times the noise in our life is so loud, we cannot hear what's really going on. I think a lot of us would rather turn up the noise than hear the truth. Come on. 
I don't want to deal with what's going on. And so we keep our life active and keep things going on. That way we don't have to be real about what's really going on. But this season, I think is awesome just church-wide. It's kind of a time where everybody is taking a step back, relenting from those things that sort of get in the way at times and dialing into what it is that God is trying to speak to us, okay? So this month is about closing that proximity between us and God. And so we're gonna look at some ways to do that. And today we're looking at how to draw close to God through devotion, through devotion. Today is, is all about devotion. And in Luke 16, 13, it says this, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Devotion is it's like love or loyalty or enthusiasm for a, a person or maybe a cause, right? Someone or something that you are devoting your life to. And right here, the Bible says that it's impossible for you to be devoted to two masters or really the way that I look at it is two opposing forces. You can't do it. Okay, now I'll, I'll, I'll explain it like this. A lot of us think we're good at multitasking right? How many of you think you're good at multitasking? Come on, be honest. Oh yeah. Did you know that only 2% of the population of the world is actually good at multitasking? That's not true because all of us are. No, no, no. This is, we look at multitasking like doing two things, like almost, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like at the same time, but we're really not. It's almost like really trying to think about two things at the same time. You, You can't do it. Now, if you can take a pencil in both hands and write in like like two different sentences at the same time, then I'll, uh, all right, I'll give you that. You're probably good at multitasking. Other than that, all we do is we just shift our focus. So, so really we can only monotask. We can only do one thing at one time, but a lot of times we think that we can. And let me be honest with you. A lot of people, they think that they could be devoted to a lot of different things, but you can't. You cannot be devoted to a lot of different things. If you're devoted to two opposing forces, you're either called the hypocrite or people are going to say you're committing treason, right? And, and we don't like treacherous type people. We don't like people that, 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 that commit treason. Actually, we sentence them to death, am I right? right? We don't like hypocrites. But a lot of times we can find ourselves in a hypocritical lifestyle being devoted to two separate forces at the same time, God and the enemy, the way that God wants us to live and the way that the enemy seeks to cause us to desire to live. There's this devotion that we've got to get under control and we've got to think about properly. But one thing that we were talking about as we, we were preparing this message was, was devotion and desires. Devotion and desires. And we started talking about, well, which one comes first? Or which one determines the other one? Think about that. Between devotion and desires, like affections or what you want to do, right? Which one comes first? Well, many people, they believe that devotion or they believe that desires determine devotion when really devotion steers your desires. Think about that. What you're devoted to steers your desires, A lot of people are waiting to feel something before they actually begin to do it whenever that's really not the way it works in anything in our life. Not properly. Let's take diet, for instance. A healthy diet. All of us have a diet, by the way. It's just some of us have a good one and most of us have a bad one. 
because we live in America, all right? That's just the way it is. I've never met someone who woke up on a Monday morning and said, today, I think I really would like to start eating vegetables and drinking water. It just sounds appetizing, right? It doesn't happen. Usually our diets are changed whenever we get that bad doctor report. We get the bad blood test and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need to make some changes. Or maybe we begin to experience pain in our body. Pain is a great motivator, y'all, okay? (laughs) And And because of that, we devote ourselves to eating healthy, okay? Because really what we're doing is we're devoted to being healthy. So therefore our eating habits, our desires shift. It's the same thing in our lives. Our desires are steered by our devotion and whatever we're devoted to, we begin to do, it's, it's what we talked about last week in, in worship, I mentioned this, that what we emphasize, we idolize. What we emphasize, what we, we direct our attention to, it becomes prominent in our life. It really does. That's why Colossians 3, 2 says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your affections, set, take your desires and your affections and set them right here not follow your desires and follow your affections and then wherever it leads you, that will be a good place. It says, take those things and set them on a certain, make them devoted in a certain place and set them on things of God, things that are eternal, not on things of this earth. It's a command, guys. It's also difficult to do consistently. We have to constantly remind ourselves, what are my affections on and am I, am I directing them to what I'm devoted to? It's a struggle, but it's something that we must do. We have to be devoted. It's what we used to say a lot as a church, we're committed to helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And we're still connected to that because that's the great commission to be fully devoted to Jesus. But devotion creates a, a, kind of like a chain reaction in our life. All right, so go with me here. Devotion to God gives access to to everything about you. It gives him access to everything about you. It's sort of like getting married. Whenever you get married, you are giving access to that person, to your spouse. You're giving them access to everything in your life. We talked about it a whole lot last month, like we said, but in marriage, there's no secrets. It's full transparency. It's full trust. There's no passwords, all right? All of it's fully open. And we do the same thing. Whenever we devote our lives to God, we give him access to everything in our life because we trust him. But whenever you give access to God, you give him authority and power to shape and define and transform and change you. So it's, it's like this, it's like devotion gives access and that access gives authority to change you. Many people approach God from a standpoint of wanting to change themselves, right? Get cleaned up, become righteous in their own way before they allow God access to who they are. Whenever it's completely the opposite, God says, look, come to me as you are. Jesus said these, come to me as you are, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. Give me access and we'll begin to work on the, the fruit. We'll, be, we'll begin to work on transforming you. Some people try to do it the other way. And, and the best thing that you can hope for is religion and rules, not a relationship. That's what we're talking about today. And Jesus was the greatest model of this. 
Jesus modeled what true God-centered devotion looked like. And this is what it sounded like for him. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, my food or my fuel is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Like my life is centered around what it is that God has me on this earth to do, to accomplish his will. Jesus, his affections, his desires, all of those things were set. They were devoted to what it is that God had him to do. John 6, 38 says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. When is the last time that you, that you said something like this? Like, God, not my will. Like, God, I don't wanna accomplish what I wanna accomplish in my life, but I wanna accomplish what it is that you have for me to accomplish. Subjection of everything that you are, fully devoted to God. I think the greatest test of this for Jesus was whenever he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he knew what was coming and he's praying. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes we, we dehumanize Jesus. We really do. We, we think of him as, as just God and like he just floated through life without feeling anything whenever he was fully man as well. And there he is at the garden and he knew what was coming. He knew that he was about to be arrested he knew that he was about to be found guilty and he knew that he was headed to the cross. And in this time, Jesus, he prays to God. And he says, Lord, is there another way? I mean, I, I would be praying the same thing, right? Is there another way that we can accomplish this, this, this work, this thing that you want to be done, the redemption of mankind? And then it says that Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The will, the will was tested at many layers, at many times in Jesus's life. And in our life, it's the same way. Our devotion to God is gonna be tested. But are we willing to say, not my will, but yours be done? This is, a, this is a high level commitment. This is not an emotional commitment. This is not a temporary commitment. This is a lifelong commitment to be devoted to God in every sense of that word. So how can we be devoted like Jesus was? I think that's a good question to ask. Well, as believers, we develop devotion through prayer, worship, and the word. I know y'all wanted something a lot deeper than that, right? Like something more in, like give me like a cool statement. It's gonna make it easier or like, I don't know. Because we all are here today. We all wanna draw closer to God. I don't know why else you would have come to church other than to know God, unless it's just a religious thing that you do on Sunday morning, okay? And that might be true. But as believers, we develop this type of devotion, this God-centered devotion, first of all, through prayer, worship, and the word. These three things, they're like tools that God has given us to know him and to connect with him. I was doing some research this past week, obviously on this, this subject, and I started typing into Google, uh, Prayer and worship are, and before I could finish what I was, was going for, um, go ahead and put that picture up. This is, this is what Google helped me out with. It says, prayer and worship, first thing, are a waste of time. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Google. You know, I don't believe you, but because a lot of people, it's like, nah. But it's just people that are outside the church, right? Like in the church, we wouldn't, think that prayer and worship are a waste of time because that would be the wrong answer for a moment like, like right now. However, in the way that we live our lives, a lot of time it plays out where prayer and worship 
we act like it almost is a waste of time because it's not the thing that directs us. It's more of something we reach back and grab when things get really bad. It's kind of like prayer. When it comes to prayer, there's this, uh, there's this statement from Corey Tim Boom. This is what she said. She said, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Right? If you talk to, to most people and you say, hey, do you pray? I pray every day. You do, yeah. I pray every day. I trust God. I pray to, I pray to him every day. But yet still things are falling apart and, and their life doesn't really show any sort of progression or any sort of connection with God, the fruit of their life. And it makes you wonder like, what well, is the prayer before or after the really bad choices? Right? It, is prayer like a seeking of God and, and like this consistent conversation? Or is it after you hit a, pot, a pothole, you reach back and grab, oh, this, here's that canned prayer that I always say every night before I go to bed. Is it, is it a real heartfelt prayer or is it just a religious, like some religious words? I had a friend of mine years ago, so he said, hey, look, I could hang out with somebody a long time and I would get to know them to a certain level. And we could hang out and you, you'd know my humor and all that kind of stuff. But he said, if I really wanna know you, I'm gonna pray with you. I'm gonna pray with you. Because whenever you pray with somebody, you hear what's really going on in their heart. You hear what, you hear what their desires are. You hear what, their, you hear what their heart's desire is. Or you hear the lack of. <laughs> Have you ever been the person, and I've been here before, where somebody says, hey, would you pray for the food? Or would you pray for this or pray for that? And you have that moment where it's like, uh, um, well, Lord, nourish our bodies. And right, like there's not much there to pray. I'm gonna be honest with you. It really, it, it begs the question of, is there ever any prayer? Because if it's awkward to talk to God, if it's awkward to pray, maybe it's a spare tire. It's not the steering wheel. We should pray. We should reach out to God. Actually, Philippians 4, 6 says this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious about anything. We could all raise our hands and say that we've all been anxious about something in the last week, I'm sure because that's how we live our lives, man. We, we, we fear first and pray second. Whenever prayer is supposed to be the first response, not the last resort, praying first. We actually have a resource. I'd love for you to, to tap into it, northwood.tv slash pray. There's a PDF that you can download because sometimes we don't know what to pray or you know what I'm saying? Like Jesus actually taught us how to pray in the Bible. And, and he laid out some, some great parameters, a great structure of how to pray. And some of us, in order for it to become something in our life that we're regularly doing, we need, we need some helps, okay? And this would be a great place to start. Go to that website, you'll see a link up there. Download that. But in everything, pray. The next thing, prayer and worship. Now, we talked about worship a couple months ago, but there's really two different types of worship. 
One is what we just did here up on the stage uh, in that time where we, we sang songs, okay? We sang songs of worship. And look, there's a bunch of different styles of how to do that. Today was pretty awesome though. I know at all three locations, we actually have uh, a different core team that's, that's rotating around. So, so what we had going on today is gonna be in Long Beach or Wiggins next week and, and Wiggins and Long Beach and blah, 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 blah. We're gonna be rotating around. So it's pretty exciting, but there's different expressions, right? There's different styles, but the heart of it is to worship God. The heart of it is to put worth on him. Music is a vehicle, guys. But really the power comes from a lifestyle of worship. That's the second part. It's a lifestyle of worship. How you live your life every day is worshiping something. You can't help it. It's just the nature of being alive. Your life is like fuel, okay? And every day that you live, your life is burning and it's propelling something forward. The Bible talks about it like a living sacrifice, Okay, but it's really, our life is, is burning before God. And so, but that's what worship is. And so worship is not just, it's actually it's less a song. A song is just a vehicle. You're not gonna actually find very many, uh, you're not gonna find a word in the Bible where worship is music. It's actually this heart motivation. So how you live your life is worship. The third thing is word, the word of God. It's so important that we read the word of God. And we say that I think every week, I think every week that we come together, we talk about reading the word of God, okay? Because the word of God, it's like his letter that he's left to us and it's how we know him, okay? Actually, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, Okay, it's not just a dead book sitting on a shelf. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God speaks through his word to you. And when the word of God comes forth, it, it makes things clearer. Sort of like your intentions and your motives. It's very difficult to to always understand exactly what your motives are in situations. Actually, it's one of the hardest things to keep up with. Every day that you get up, everything that you do, I want you to begin to ask yourself, what is my motive in this? What is motivating me to do this? The Bible, when you read it, it begins to peel back layers in your heart and in your mind. It convicts you, it encourages you because it's the word of God, which is living. But if we take these three things and we put them together and we sum it up, really, this is the easiest way to put it. When you pray, worship, and read, you're simply communicating with God. That's what these three things are about. These are these tools that God has given us to communicate with him. Now, from the beginning, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of of Eden, the, the Bible says that God would walk with them in the cool of the day. And, and just that alone, we could spend time talking about that and imagining that and, and reading on that. What did that look like? But they, they chose a substitute. They chose sin and that split that communication. It separated. I really actually believe that, that God was, so was really hurt by what happened. It said that he came to the garden and they were hiding themselves. You know, I've got a, I've got a little girl and she's six years old. She's so innocent. She's still innocent, six years old. What a great age. But the older that she gets, the more understanding she has of the world and the way things operate. The, the word death 
is such a hard thing to speak about because it creates such fear and it creates such, uh, you know, instability. Why? And, and you, know what, you know what I hate? I hate, I hate hearing those questions because I'm like, man, she's losing that, that, just that innocence. We've all been there and we see that with our own kids. You know, they just begin, it's the way life is. And I, I think that God encountered that feeling with his creation whenever he, he showed up to have another conversation and something was different. Because we were created to be in complete communication with God. We really were. We, we live in the fallout of sin. So if we really put this devotion, how to develop devotion into these simple terms, developing devotion to God is all about communicating with him, which produces a closeness and understanding chemistry. We understand how it operates in relationships with people. But at times we separate it with God. If, there, if there's no communication in a, in a relationship, we would say that that relationship is not healthy, but then we could really almost say that there is no relationship at all. In a marriage, if there's not good communication or any communication, it's more of a contract than anything. It's kind of like two roommates. It's not a relationship. And many people, they're in like this contractual understanding with God, but that's all it is. There's no reciprocation. A relationship is, has investment from both ends. It's a reciprocal in, a relationship, but many people are in a place where there's really no reciprocation happening. I think it's why some people say, yeah, I pray, I pray, but you really don't, Right? If we were really honest, it's not a communication. It's not good communication. It's more of this religious response. Communication builds a strong relationship, but so many people can't communicate with God because the noise in their life is so loud. There's no time for it. It's sort of like in family where there's always something going on and there's never a moment where everybody just sits and is just there and present together. I was challenged this past week by a pastor who said, he said, do you spend more time working for Jesus or spending time with Jesus? I think a lot of us, we actually equate our relationship with God to how much we do for him the whole Mary and Martha illustration in the Bible. Work, 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 instead of just be. Just being with God, being in his presence. Like the video said in the beginning of the service, is there ever a moment we, where we are just still? We're just still. We're not planning our next word we're not planning our next event. We're not planning our next day. We're just in the moment. I think a lot of times we're just, we're just always active, always working, always doing something. We don't, have, we don't create space just to hear God. The Selah moment that the Bible speaks about, just the break. That's really what Relent is about, about, about taking a step back in our lives, in our day-to-day -day static. 
and seeking God. I wanna share a story with you guys today. It's uh, a family in the church, the, the Robin uh, Shelley French, a great couple in the church. And uh, I believe that their story, it's really two parts. Number one, I think it really shows what we're talking about today, needing to st- take a step back in, in order to move forward. But also it's such an encouraging story about God's faithfulness and his goodness. So come on, let's watch this story together. The truth is that I had been kind of watching Shelly from afar for quite a while. Once we got married, we knew early on that we wanted to have kids. So we started in 2008, and then 2011 is when I found that I had endometriosis. So they had to do surgery. A couple more years went by and I ended up having surgery again because it grew back. You know, every one of those months, it was like agonizing. You go and you have surgery and the doctor says, everything should be good now. And then two years pass and nothing. I was having some weird symptoms. I had facial tingling, I was dizzy. I lost dexterity in one of my hands. And I go to just a primary care and she says, it sounds like you have a mess. Once we're diagnosed, the neurologist put me on medication. The biggest problem with that medicine was that we couldn't get pregnant on the medicine. But once I went to my neurologist and told him that we would like to start a family, he put me on a medicine. He told me that's the best one to be pregnant on. I was in a spot where I had really all but given up. It was so many months, you know, years of being frustrated and almost beat down about it that I had really kind of given up hope. We had always said we were not going to consider in vitro fertilization. Together, we made a family decision and said all those years of saying we're never gonna go to that level, we're gonna gonna go to that level. But we knew that if we did that, that we'd have to give up some things because the- major changes. Just the cost, so I traded in my Jeep that I love so much, our biggest Spends every month was our house, so put our house up for sale. We had basically were communicating a message of things were more important than our family. And so we said, if we're going to say that our family is more important than things, well, let's give up the things in order to find the path to our family. We were fully all in. And so after giving everything up, we go to the doctor before even starting in vitro and we find out that we're pregnant. Hey! (laughs) All God really wanted was for us to say, I'm willing to give it up. The day that we went to the doctor and we were getting an ultrasound and our ultrasound tech said, how have you been feeling? Shelly says, I'm pretty pretty sick. I'm feeling pretty bad right now. And then, Nurse tells us, well, that's because there's two in there. God really doubled down on that blessing. It really has changed our life. Our focus is different. Our priorities are different. It's our family now. And and that's something that for a long time we thought we'd never have. Come on, is that awesome or what? <laughs> Man, just, just being on the outside of the situation and watching the French's walk through that was, um, 
Man, it was inspiring for me to see the faith and the consistency of, of Rob and Shelly. And so, but, but Rob said something. He said, we had to give up some things in order to find the path. We had to give up some things in order to find where it was that what God was really speaking. And, you know, I, I feel like that's where we're at in our lives a lot of times. It's, it's less about what we need to start doing and more about what we need to stop doing. Creating space for God to do a work in us. We wanna do, 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 do. And it's like, why don't we just stop first? Back up. We were created for that. We were created to, to be still at times and know that God is God. And he's, he's gonna do what he said he would do because he is who he says that he is. It's his promises that he's made to us. Being devoted to God is something that you choose to do. You see, God has done 100% of the work and he offers you this free gift of salvation. He says, I've given you all that I am and now it's time for you to reciprocate that. And many of you are in a place of your life right now where you, you haven't had that moment where you've truly surrendered your heart to God, where you've truly given him everything and surrendered your life to him. The Bible says that a broken and contrite heart, he doesn't deny. And some of you today, it's your moment to come to God, broken, surrendering everything, relenting everything, right? Giving it all to him and letting him have his way in your heart and in your life. He'll change you because he's good. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? Just in this moment, would you just ask God to search your heart? Search your motives. Lord, we lay our, our hearts before you open. Lord, would you point out anything in us that's not right? Anything in us that we have not truly given you access to, that we haven't truly devoted our hearts to? Like I said, some of you are in a place where you know that you just, you've never given your heart to God. You've never laid it all before him. And in this moment, you want to. I'm gonna say a prayer in a moment. And while I'm praying, I just want you to agree with the prayer. You don't have to repeat it. Actually, it'd be great for you to pray to God in your own way, in your own words, to connect with him. But his grace is sufficient for you. You have not sinned away your day of grace. God is there, he's for you, not against you. It doesn't even matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter. Devote your heart to him today. Give yourself completely to him and he'll meet you where you're at. Let's pray. Say, God, I come before you right now. I'm humbled, I'm broken. And Jesus, everything that I have right now my successes, my failures, the thing that I feel that I've done right and the things that I feel like I've done wrong, I surrender all of them. I place them at your feet. And God, right now, I ask for you to fill me with your spirit, to fill me with life. God, to forgive me of all of my unrighteousness, all the sins that I've committed, but God, the sin nature that I've inherited. I lay it before you right now. I ask you to change me from the inside out. God, I give you full access right now to everything that I am. 
God, I wanna live a life that glorifies you. I wanna live a life that lifts you up, not lifts me up. So God, I subject my will to yours right now and I devote my heart to you. I thank you for sending Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life and to die a terrible death for me, to give me a hope and a future, to give me righteousness. I thank you for this. I give you all that I am. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Come on, can we give it up for those who gave their hearts to God today? Thanks so much for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church wanna help people know God. And our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we want to help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.